As podcast partner, we're pleased to be able to bring you a selection of the sessions from the festival, including this one with the author of Smash Hits, The Day My Bum Went Psycho, and what bummer saw is that, Andy Griffiths. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. You've come to the right place. This is Andy Griffiths. You're doing well. He's going to get up and walk around and ask you questions and have a conversation with you, which is what you'd expect if you read any of his books. Um, I'm an adult. I, I get the, the, the distinct pleasure of not only introducing another adult who entertains brilliantly, but I also get the pleasure of telling you a little bit about Andy. Not that he needs any introduction to his readers, because it seems to me that warts and all, you get to see what Andy is like from his text. One of the things that I know about Andy is that he first wrote about writing by writing a book about writing, which is kind of remarkable and a bit strange because most people tend to write the books and then decide to write about writing, not the other way around. But, hey, and it sold. And it made him some money and it enabled him to think about a life as a writer, which is what he became. But he very quickly found his voice and his voice was humour. And it's a funny thing being a humorous person in a world that isn't very funny because it requires people to laugh at you occasionally, even to encourage you. And someone must have laughed at Andy regularly, long and hard because he's been making other people laugh ever since. So I'm not going to talk on because that's Andy's job and that's what he's here to do. I'm going to introduce you to Andy Griffiths and introduce you to the conversation and the laughter. Here's Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, thank you for um, all turning out in such force. This is, this is wonderful. Where were you ten years ago <laughs> when I was positioned under the escalators at a sh- one of your shopping centres um, and nobody came? They, they put me at a table and I sat there and no one came and oh, some shoppers came and they said, what's that? And when someone said, it's an author. <laughs> and they walked on. So... Um, so this is really lovely. Um, and ever since then, Perth has been a fantastic um, supporter of, of all the events and the books. And um, So today, I imagine there's going to be a lot of questions and, um, and comments. Um, I'm very happy to take them all. I'm happy to take orders for new books. Um, I'm writing the very bad book at the moment. And um, I'm very happy if you've got some very bad jokes uh, please share them with me because I'll, I'll chuck them in. Um, and uh, before I start, though, I, I will go through just a, a, a few um, safety announcements. Um, and, and, oh, what I should do first, too. How many people were at this morning's session? Okay, right. Um, you're not allowed to yell out any of the answers <laughs> to my questions. Um, Now, safety, because a lot of people, uh, well, a lot of adults worry about my books because they think kids read them and uh, read about these people in my books doing stupid things and then go out and do those stupid things. Now, I I think children are much more intelligent than that. How many people have actually tried something from one of my books? (laughs) Two, three, right, okay. Um, Good. Good, because just for you then, so that no one is hurt or injured or uh, gets their parents too upset, um, I've got a list of dangerous things. And um, 
Once I was making a list of all the dangerous things in the world and I thought, what is the most dangerous thing in the world? Can anyone uh, answer that question? Yes. A chainsaw. Not necessarily. It depends whether it's in someone's hand and they're running at you, saying, I'm going to get you. Um, A chainsaw by itself is not dangerous at all. Um, So that's not the most dangerous thing. Yes. Your parents. <laughs> and of course, by addition, your parents with chainsaws in their hand, something to be avoided, uh, extremely dangerous. Um, what do you reckon? The sun. The sun is dangerous. In what way? Hmm, that's a happy thought, isn't it? Um, I don't think it's going to happen for about three million billion years. So um, let's make hay while the sun shines and. Uh, um, yeah, the sun's dangerous. You should always have a hat on, of course, and your sunscreen. Um, you shouldn't uh, fly around in the air too close to the sun. That's, that's really stupid. Actually, I've just finished writing... Um, uh, in the bad book, there's a, a story called The Bad Ant. Does anyone know that story? Everyone knows that story. That was actually a true story. I, and people ask me, where do ideas come from? And it's actually pretty easy. I was sitting on the beach and uh, there was an ant and I was writing my journal and I think I've got it here. Yeah, there it is. Um, I was writing my journal and so I was watching the ant walking around and I wrote, once upon a time there was an ant. Isn't that genius? Um, No need to clap. Um, it looked like an ordinary ant, but it wasn't. And because I was writing the bad book, I thought, it's a bad ant. And then I just described what it was doing. And the bad ant went along the ground and came to a stick. And the bad ant went up the stick. And the bad ant went over the stick. And the bad ant went down the stick. Now, this actually happened. <laughs> I didn't make it up. And the bad ant went along the ground and came to a bit of grass. And the bad ant went up the bit of grass. And the bad ant went over the bit of grass. And the bad ant went down the bit of grass. And then it stopped. And then it started again. (laughs) Now, about this point, although I probably stretched my reader's patience as far as I'm going to do. So I just made it a little bit more exciting. And the bad ant went to Las Vegas, won $10 million and bought a red sports car. And then I was out of inspiration. And the bad ant left Las Vegas and came to a stick. And the bad ant drove up the stick. (laughs) So things are really getting going now. And the bad ant drove over the stick. And the bad ant drove down the stick. And the bad ant went along the ground and came to a pedestrian crossing and saw an old lady who had fallen over. And the bad ant drove up the old lady. (laughs) The bad ant drove over the old lady. And the bad ant drove down the old lady. And just as the bad ant was about to drive off along the road again, it heard the old lady cry out for help. And the bad ant turned around and drove back to the old lady, drove up the old lady and did wheelies on her head. Which wasn't very nice or very funny, but not really surprising because it was a bad ant. A very bad ant. So that was the... True story, almost true story.
And I didn't know whether that would work. I thought that might be so stupid that you would start bringing the books back to the shop where you bought them. But um, the bad books become quite popular. And so, getting back on this long diversion, I've just written another story about the very bad ant who actually steals a space rocket and flies it into the sun. So, um, the sun will, uh, will be a star of the new book. No, um, but the sun's not the most dangerous thing. The most dangerous thing... Uh, according to my grandmother, I was told this many times, is running with scissors in your hand. <laughs> Nothing funny about that. This is just good, useful information. Yes. Oh, yeah, well, again, this is how I work. I think running with scissors, that was dangerous. And then I thought, what else have I been told? Running while eating. Your teachers got very upset if you ran while you were eating a sandwich. Um, they, they Stop running and... Um, do you want to choke to death? Is usually what they say. And you, the correct answer is yes. <laughs> is that a problem? And I say, yes, sit down. Um, and then I thought, no one had to tell me this. I, I just thought, well, if those two things are dangerous, running while eating a pair of scissors <laughs> must be the most dangerous. And then I started thinking about scissors, asking somebody on the other side of the classroom to throw you a pair of scissors can be very, very dangerous because they might do it. And, of course, running out of the room screaming and across a busy road without looking because you've got a pair of scissors stuck in your eye. (laughs) And you'll notice bad, dangerous things lead to other dangerous things. And that's where ideas come from. You just keep weaving them and um, making them together. Number six, tonight, this could happen to you. When you're whacking your sister with a pillow and she pulls a fork out of her pyjamas... Good idea to stop whacking her at that moment and run for your life. Because girls are quite violent and you shouldn't mess with an angry little sister. Uh, When you're whacking your sister with a pillow and she pulls an atomic bomb out of her pyjamas. Just thought I'd throw that one in just in case anyone was in any doubt as to the danger. Uh, this used to be dangerous when I, when I wrote it, I don't, given we've got drought and climate change. Uh, looking into the end of a hose to see why the water is not coming out. <laughs> We're probably all doing that, but uh, it's quite embarrassing when it does come out all of a sudden. Uh, looking into the barrel of a pop gun to see why the cork is not coming out. It can be avoided. Uh, touching electric fences, you all know, is dangerous. Weeing on electric fences can probably be avoided in most cases. And, uh, of course, this one, chasing cars and trying to bite their tyres. How many people have tried that? Yeah, all the same people who put their hand up before. Um, Now, I used to have a dog called Sooty, and Sooty was a, um, a little black mongrel dog, and I loved him, but he was really dumb. He used to run up and down the hill we lived on, chasing cars, trying to bite the tyres. I'll give you one guess how he died. Yes. No, he was running with scissors in his paw and he (laughs) tripped. Very unlikely way for a dog to die because it's quite hard for them to hold scissors. I had to tape them to his paws and... No, that was being silly. He, he, he achieved his dream. He had one dream to catch a car and he finally caught it for one moment with his teeth bit the tyre and then it was... <laughs> and 
the car ran over him and uh, he was dead. Thank you for your sympathy. Um, it was sad, but it was kind of funny because all these guts came out of his mouth. <laughs> there's, always some, there's always a funny way to look at things. Right? As long as they're not your guts coming out of your mouth, it's quite funny. But that's the key to Andy. Andy, in the Just series, is like Sooty. He just gets an idea in his head. And whether it's smart or dumb, he doesn't care. He just goes for it. Um, So Sooty was a real dog. Um, Cars are really dangerous. You all know putting your hand out of the window of a car. You've been told that a million times, I'm sure. That's dangerous. Putting your head out of the window, even more dangerous. Climbing out onto the roof and (laughs) waving at the driver should always be avoided because it's distracting uh, for the driver. And we used to have a game. How many people have played I Spy with My Little Eye? Very popular game, even in this modern age. But it gets a bit boring after a while, doesn't it? Because it just goes on and on. And Here's a way to annoy the whole family. What you do is you, you say, I spy with my little eye. Yeah, block your parents' ears. I spy with my little eyes something beginning with E. And when your family starts guessing, whatever they say, you say no. All right? So if they say emus, you go, no. Uh, if they say eyeballs, you go, no, nope, that starts with I. Um, <laughs> idiot, no, same thing. Um, eggs, no, 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 for about half an hour. All right? And you'll get them to such a point where they'll be going, what is it? Tell us. And you'll go, Everything. <laughs> it's hilarious um, for you. They'll probably amuse themselves for the next half an hour by punching you. And my dad was very good at uh, driving with one hand and hitting us with the other. Um, but a more exciting game is a game of guess who. That's where you sit behind the driver of the moving car and you put your hands over their eyes. And they have to guess your name before the car runs off the road. Okay? If it runs off the road, they lose. And unfortunately, so do you. But unless you open the door quickly and jump out. and that's What's that? Or jump out. No, jumping out the window is dangerous. Always use the, d- the door. Um, the safety announcement is not going so well, is it? Picking your nose with a pencil. Um, picking your nose with a pencil while running across a slippery floor. Or picking your nose with a pencil while riding in a car, travelling down a really bumpy road. Be quiet. Some of you have experienced that. But um, the most dangerous thing, as a matter of fact, I've, I've only been warming up here... Uh, are germs. And do you know what germs are the most dangerous thing in the world? Yes. Girl germs. Thank you. (laughs) Now, this is true. I do talk a lot of nonsense and I make up a lot of stuff, but this is true. Girl germs have been scientifically proven, scientifically proven by me and my best friend, Danny, (laughs) to be the most dangerous germs on the planet. Anybody who's ever touched a girl, been in the same room as a girl, or even thought about a girl, should immediately run to the nearest hospital before it's too late. (laughs) 
Anybody who is a girl, well, bad luck, it already is too late. You are doomed. <laughs> so that's the bad news. The sun's going to burn us up. The girls are all doomed. Um, but the good news is that boy germs have recently been proven not only to be harmless, but maybe even good for you. So if you're a girl, you should grab the nearest boy and kiss him. <laughs> and it may help to neutralise the girl germs that you have so many of. I'm not saying it'll necessarily work, but uh, it's worth a try. Okay. Running with a balloon in your mouth. Um, <laughs> is that dangerous? <laughs> it could be because as you run, you might be inflating the balloon. <gasps> And the balloon gets bigger and bigger and you float away. And then you get into all sorts of problems. Up in the lights there. Any questions at this stage? Yes. The most entertaining book. Um, well, I can't tell you that because then you'd all go to the bookshop and buy that one and leave the other ones alone. Um, <laughs> But it's partly, it depends on who you are. Everyone seems to have their favourite books. Um, I've got my favourite stories. Uh, in each Just book, they were the first ones I did, there was always a story that was just kind of a bit more out there than the others. And everyone would say, we love that book, but we really love that story. In Just Tricking, it was playing dead. He tries to get a day off school, not by pretending that he's sick. Like, how many people have pretended that they were sick? Too sick to go to school. Very popular pastime. <laughs> Even the adults have done it. And, but often hard to get your parents to believe you. And Andy always takes things that one step too far. Um, I won't just pretend I'm sick. I'll pretend that I'm dead. And he's lying there pretending that he's dead. And then I, then I make the worst thing happen. And I thought... His parents come in and the, instead of kicking him out of bed, saying, you're not dead, get out, of, come, go to school, um, they pretend to think that he's dead. And they go, oh, poor Andy, he was such a nice boy. Well, he's a bit, no, he wasn't that nice, but um, it's a pity he died. Um, we better dig a hole and drop him in and bury him before he starts to smell. And then he thinks, oh, I get it, they're only pretending to think that I'm dead. I'll, I'm not going to give them the satisfaction. And so I'd, they take him out there, they drop him in the hole and they start burying, it, the, burying him. How many parents here have wanted to uh, dig a hole and bury their children? Another... <laughs> now, some kids have got their hands up there. How many want to bury their parents? Uh... <laughs> oh, this is getting a bit scary. I think we'll, we'll pull back. But... Um... And so he doesn't, he's not going to admit, he's not going to give his parents the satisfaction of, of, of um, saying that, uh, of making them admit. But then I always make the worst thing. They actually bury him. He's covered in dirt. And Andy's so dumb at times, he thinks, oh, am I dead? Uh, but I'm still thinking, I can't be dead. And then Sooty comes along. He jumps into the hole and, and undigs Andy. And Andy jumps up and says, Mum, Dad, I'm not really dead. And I was just tricking and his dad has a heart attack and falls over. 
And, um, and he goes, oh, no, I've killed my dad. And he runs to give his dad mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. And then his mother starts screaming at him, get away from him, you blood-sucking freak. And he goes, oh, no, mum thinks I'm a zombie. She's gone mad. I've killed my dad and driven my mother mad. Um, this has been a terrible joke. And he's about to give his dad mouth-to-mouth and then his dad starts laughing and says, just tricking. <laughs> now, that's not a very funny joke, is it? <laughs> you think it is. Um, Andy doesn't get it. He still, he still thinks, oh, well, you know, I've had a terrible morning. I've been buried in a hole. I've thought I'd killed Dad. I thought I drove Mum mad. But I got the day off school. So, so Andy never learns anything. And he goes from one story to the other, making ridiculous mistakes. Um, uh, there's a story called The Shower Story, um, which I talked a bit about this morning. Um, how many people have stood in the shower and put their foot on the plug hole and tried to fill the whole cubicle up? <laughs> Even though you've read my story. Uh, Andy, again, goes one further. Instead of just watching all the water go out the cracks, he gets the silicon glue. I'll glue it up and then I can have a shower full of water. And, um, and that story started, I think he, yeah, he, he glues the shower up He can't turn the tap off, so he has to climb up into the vent um, and then he falls through the roof naked into the middle of a dining room table where his parents are having a lovely dinner party with the Bainbridges, his mum and dad's boss and his wife, and he ends up in the middle of the table on his back, arms and legs spread. Things can't get much worse at that point. Um, but then there was a series, in each book there's, there's always a story where Andy ends up naked in front of Mr and Mrs Bainbridge. Um, and that went for the first four books. So, um, so yeah, they gradually got sillier and the list stories started, the dangerous things, the shocking things. And, and after a while they stopped even being stories. And that was thanks to the bad book because that happened. I was watching television one day with my daughter's and they were both, um, well, they weren't both four. I'd w- I've watched it twice. I've got a 17-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old daughter. And they both enjoyed bananas. And I've enjoyed them too, but they get a bit boring after a while because they're always good. Have you noticed they always do good things? Pick up paper off the beach, um, bake honey cakes and give them to the teddies, help rats study his car. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to see a bad banana doing something dangerous? or mean, and it never happened, so I borrowed my daughter's doll and made a bad banana. (laughs) This is B3. (laughs) Bananas in balaclavas. (laughs) Now, if there's any really young kids here, you're going to have to shut your eyes, because... My idea for a really cool episode would be B3 comes to stay at Cuddles Avenue. He's not nice, obviously, like the other ones. He's mad he didn't get in the TV show. And he just chases B1 and B2 around the house, up the stairs, down the stairs, into the kitchen, and then grabs them both and shoves them into a fruit blender. (laughs) Very big fruit blender. And banana smoothie goes everywhere. It would be awesome. Thank you. But I, when I wrote that as a script and sent it to Channel 2, guess what they said? No. So. 
It's kind of ironic, isn't it? I think this is on a podcast. This will be on the ABC. <laughs> and, and they'll realise what a mistake they made when they said no. Um, sorry? ABC, there might be... We might be room for B3 yet. Um, but because I was working with Terry, the illustrator of all the Just Books, we said, let's do a book where everything is bad, right? Uh, we'll just take existing nursery rhymes and we'll make them bad. Bad Jack Horner sat in a corner. <laughs> I can't go on. This is... Bad Jack Horner sat in a corner, pulling the wings off a fly. He swore at his mum, kicked his dad in the bum and said, what a bad boy am I. Now, I'm not saying you should go home and do this. I'm just trying to make the characters more interesting and, and that's where the ideas come from. Um, oh, someone told me today they enjoyed Humpty Dumpty. I haven't read this one for a while. Humpty Dumpty spray-painted the wall. He covered it with his offensive scrawl. All the king's horses and all the king's men confiscated his spray can and smashed his head in. <laughs> it's a little violent, isn't it? Sorry about that. Bad diddle diddle, the cat did a piddle. The cow did a poo on the moon. The little dog barfed to see such fun and then ate it all up with a spoon. And so my stories started getting shorter and sillier. And, um, and this was quite a hard book because uh, everything had to be bad in this book. That's what we set ourselves to, to do. So it was, it's all got to be bad. And I thought, well, what if you had a bad man in that book? Would he be a bad, bad man? I mean, is a bad, bad man a good man? It's got quite complicated. Here's the results of my, my um, research. Once upon a time, there was a sad, bad, bad man. The sad, bad, bad man was sad because he was bad at being bad. So the sad, bad, bad man went to sad, bad, bad man school where they taught sad, bad, bad men how to be good at being good, bad men instead of being good at being sad, bad, bad men. <laughs> and the sad, bad, bad man stopped being sad and became glad because he learned how to be a good, bad man who was good at being bad instead of bad at being bad. In fact, the ex-sad, bad, bad man was so good at being bad that he became the gladdest ex-sad, bad, bad man in the history of sad, bad, bad men who stopped being sad, bad, bad men and became glad, good, bad men. <laughs> Do you all follow that? Any questions? Is that a question? Hold, hold on, I'm getting two questions at once. Um, just down the front here. I'll take the second question in a minute. What was yours? Yes. <laughs> You're getting a bit bored, are you? Um, <laughs> I'll stop talking in a while, all right? But, no, look, I've always written books for my own entertainment and for the... Yeah, to entertain just members of my family to begin with. Um, my dad's got a, a, a card I made him when he was when I was about six. He's still got this get well card I made him and said, Dear Daddy, get well soon. And then he turned the page and it said, Or you will be doomed. <laughs> so I was... And then I, there was a picture of him going into a hole and 
worms and maggots attacking him. He got better really fast, so... So obviously that was good. And now um, I realise I had a little bit of talent there. Um, Mother's Day is coming up soon. I think you should make a, a creative Mother's Day card. Uh, dear Mother, get, uh, have a lovely, happy day. Or... Or you are doomed. Um, whatever. So I've been re- doing this for a long time and I'm just lucky that there's an audience... Um, but, see, the audience wasn't always there. And in the early years, um, you know, I, I published a book about writing uh, because no one would publish my stuff at all. They all thought it was too silly and uh, it was crazy and it was kind of funny and entertaining, but, but they couldn't see who would buy it. So, um, so I did have a few tough years. But I'm really happy with, with particularly this kind of humour because it's always been the one I love. And when I was in grade four, there was a, a joke which we all thought was incredibly funny. Um, I don't know why. Why did the boy fall off his bike? Yes. Because his mother threw a fridge at him. <laughs> and if I've achieved nothing else, I've got to pass that joke on to a whole new generation. And... I love it. Although the mother used to disturb me. What did the boy do? She, she threw a fridge at him while he was riding a bike. So then I wrote my own one. Why did the boy fail his maths test? This is really... It took me a lot of work, this one. Yes. Because his mother threw another fridge at him. That's right. She waited till he's got better and then carried it up to the school and threw it through the window. And anyone can get this one right. Why did the boy suffer multiple fractures, internal bleeding, crushed vertebrae, ruptured organs, brain damage, massive bruising and a sore thumb? Yes. No. Wrong. Yes. No. He was hit by a truck. (laughs) But it was driven by his mother. (laughs) You're half right. And it did have fridges on the back. So... um, I've got no idea how we got onto the, the bad book. Was it? Yeah. Let's go to. What's, what was that second question? It, would it be okay to be a bad, bad person? Because then you'd be extra bad. No, I'd think you'd be bad at being bad. So you'd be good. So too much badness cancels itself out and becomes good. And that's what that rhyme was about. And I was thrilled when I wrote that because I suddenly realised you can write a story just all rhyming with the same sounds. And then I wrote Ed and Ted and Ted's bad dog Fred. Um, And for those who haven't had the pleasure, I used to write these sort of poems for my teacher when we'd do poetry. I would just write the poems that rhymed with the same sound and... They were annoyed and because I wrote a poem, but it wasn't a proper poem. There was a man whose name was Ed. Ed lived in a shed with his friend Ted. Ted had a bad dog whose name was Fred. Ed liked Ted and Ted liked Ed and Fred liked Ted, but he didn't like Ed. One morning, Fred jumped on Ed's bed. Ed said, Fred, get off my bed. But Fred just growled and bit Ed's head. Ed saw red and then he said, I'm fed up with Fred always biting my head. I'm leaving this shed. And he went to his car, which was red. He jumped in and away he fled. Ted said, Ed, come back to the shed. But Ed just shook his head and sped. So Ted jumped into his car, which was also red. But it wouldn't start. The battery was... 
Excellent. See, any idiot can write this stuff. Even you. Bother, 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 said Ted. I'll have to take the sled instead. He hitched up Fred to the sled, cracked his whip and away they sped. Ted and Fred sped after Ed. Ted saw Ed's red car up ahead. Faster, faster, Fred, yelled Ted. Ted and Fred were gaining on Ed, but all of a sudden, Ed stopped dead. There was a traffic light. It was... Who said green? (laughs) There's one or two in every crowd. Ted yelled, Fred, stop the sled. But Fred could not. On they sped. Ted and Fred smashed into Ed. Poor Ted and Fred, they got dead. Ed hurt his head, his head bled. It bled and bled and bled and bled. His blood was... Excellent. Ed ended up dead like Ted and Fred. And that was the end of Ed and Ted and Ted's bad dog, Fred. Sad. (laughs) Now that, just a moment of silliness led to the, the next book, The Cat on the Mat is Flat. Um... That led to the big fat cow that went kapow. Um, What was that? No? It was him. What did he say? (laughs) (laughs) What a joker, always kidding around. Right, I'm getting you. I see what you look like. <laughs> I'll, I'll fix you up outside. Um, yeah, it's not for everyone. Um, maybe you'd rather the day my bum went psycho. Uh, exciting action story. Yes. Can I do you a favour and read every single last word of the bad book? The one where things are pretty bad and then they get very bad and then they get very, 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 very... That goes for ten pages. It's about 3,000 verys. No, I can't. (laughs) No, I just had uh, seven or eight spare pages at the end of the book and I couldn't be bothered thinking of anything else. So I just cut and paste very for eight or nine pages. Uh, It was a very bad piece of writing. What, whose bum went psycho? Oh, yeah. Actually, it was. Um, how is it based on a true story? Well, obviously, it's not completely true. But I'd made some observations that bums can appear... To, it's like they've got a mind of their own. Like, you, you get told, be polite and don't be rude in public. And, and then your, your bum will do the opposite, Right? It, it releases gas when you least expect it to. It makes noises when you least want them to. And I just thought, yeah, it's like it's a different part of you. What if it had little arms and legs and it could talk and it could run around and embarrass you in ways far beyond just farting or, or, or smell? And um, so I just followed that idea logically because I work very seriously I think, what if your bum ran away? Well, you'd probably, if your dog ran away, you'd call the dog catcher. So I would call the bum catcher, right? And what if the bum catcher got gassed and you had to become the new bum catcher? And so it, it went on from there. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, there's some made-up bits in there. Um, 
But the made-up bits are 100% made up. That's true. So in that sense, the whole book is 100% true. <laughs> truly made up. And truly went on far too long. It had two sequels and, uh, and a bummer-saw guide. I think he likes that one. Um, yes. Oh, I think I started answering that question a while ago. I was, there's a favourite story in each book and, and they lead on to the next books. So um, my, my personal favourite, look, it's probably the bad book gave us a lot of trouble when we put it out because everyone thought I was telling kids to do all this terrible thing. And there is, there's a bad kid in there who always asks his mum stupid questions like, Mum, can I run across this busy six-lane highway with my eyes shut? But it's called Bad Mummy and, and Bad Mummy says, oh, I don't know, that sounds a bit dangerous. And, uh, and he says, please, and she says, all right, but be careful. <laughs> Bad parenting, right? You should always say no. And then he runs across the road and gets hit by a car. And people said, you're encouraging people to close their eyes and run across the road. And I said, but he gets hit by a car. That's a road safety lesson. Um, <laughs> So, but I think it's, it's become one of the favourites and, and I love working with Terry, just short, really silly stuff. Yes. Well, he's based on my life. I, I used my hill that I lived on. I used, in the first book, um, I put the name of the street. Uh, I put my teacher's names. I put my librarian's name. I put my girlfriend, well, the girl I loved was Lisa Mackney. Um, Danny Pickett, my best friend. I'll just put everyone's names in there and, and just use them to tell the story because that's how I like to tell stories. And getting back to how is the story, how is the bum story true, whenever I tell a story, even if it's the most ridiculous thing in the world, I'm telling it as if it's completely true. And we used to entertain ourselves by making the little kids in our neighbourhood believe ridiculous things. And I'd say, see that cut? That's a shark attack. I, I got bitten, attacked by a shark in the bath this morning. And they go, really? Is that true? I, yeah, I was hitting it with a rubber duck and uh, it just wouldn't go back. And then while I was doing that, a tentacle came out of the, the, the tap and grabbed me around the neck. And uh, is that true? And so I got very good at this. And, and one morning, my proudest morning, I made a boy believe that he was a girl. For a little while, and he kept arguing. And he, I'd say, "You're really a girl." He goes, "No, I'm a boy." And I'd say, "How do you know? How do you know for sure?" And he said, "My mum told me uh, that I'm a boy." And I said, "How do you know she wasn't tricking you? Because she really wanted a boy, but you're really a girl." And he said, "But I've got one of these." <laughs> and I said, "That's nothing. Lots of girls have those." <laughs> Yeah, really? I said, yeah, yeah. You, you got to, you got to. He said, I'm going to ask my dad. And remember, I'm sure his dad would have put him straight immediately. And I never told them anything dangerous. I wouldn't say, get on, if you flap your arms and jump off the roof, you'll fly. Um, I would just do ridiculous little things. And um, I was in London a couple of years ago doing a program. They have Zookeeper for a day. If you've ever wanted to be a zookeeper, you can go to London and it's a ridiculous program. They make you work all day, um, shoveling giraffe poo, um, feeding little meal maggots to monkeys. 
and uh, feeding the lions and um, cleaning the penguins' cage. And penguins, they look cute, but they actually smell like fish. And um, I was in the penguin cage and these two little girls came up and they said, they thought I was a zookeeper for real. And they said, what, what do penguins eat? And I said, um, ice cream. Love ice cream. And then the real zookeeper, who was a very sensible person, she said, oh, don't be... No, no, they eat fish. And I said, oh, yeah, fish-flavoured ice cream. Um, so I realised I was unqualified to be a zookeeper. Um, um, now I've completely forgotten how I got onto that track. What was your question? Where do we start on that one? So when I tell a made-up story, it's very easy for me if I just think it's me doing it with Sooty and Danny and Lisa and, um, and imagining all those people. So you don't need a lot to... When you start telling stories, a lot of people think you have to imagine a magical kingdom full of dragons and amazing things that have never been thought of. But actually, I like to work with everyday stuff. The bath, rubber ducks, um, banana and pyjama dolls. Most of them start true. There's a true experience I- at the beginning... Um, the shower story, I've always tried to fill up showers with, with, by doing that. Uh, there's a story where Andy sets a girl's hair on fire. Um, I did that um, by accident. A lot of moments are, are true, trying to get out of going to school by pretending you're sick. I just always exaggerate it slightly, and that's where Andy is not me. He'll go where I would normally stop. And, and Andy is sooty, with his, like he's got the dog's brain. Yeah, that's a great idea. So in a story, you can do all this stuff that you would never do in real life. And that's what I think storytelling is really good for. Have I ever done a full story? Um, gee, you don't let up, do you? There's a story in the early book, uh, Gorilla Gram, where Andy dresses up in a gorilla suit and goes to a restaurant to give his sister a gorilla gram. And then he... Um, he freaks her out and freaks other people out. And that happened to me because before I was a writer, I was in a band and I was the singer for some because I wrote the words. But I was a terrible singer and I had this great idea that if I dressed up in a gorilla suit, I could just grunt and scream and everyone would think, well, of course he can't sing, he's a gorilla. <laughs> um, so I was practising with my gorilla suit and I realised people react to you in quite a... Weird way, they get, they get scared when they see you coming. And um, so I amused myself that night at the walking past people and pretending that I was at the zoo and they were in the animals and I was looking at them. Um, so that actually happened. And then I just thought at the very end, what's the worst thing that can happen? He's out on the street and he can't get... Someone calls the zoo, they think it's an escaped gorilla and he can't get the zip undone, and he can't make himself heard out of the mask. And his sister comes out, and she's really enjoying this because the zookeepers all have their, um, their tranquilizer guns, thank you, and they're about to shoot him. And he says, Jen, Jen, tell them I'm not really a gorilla. And the final line of the story is, I've never seen you before in my life. <laughs> now, I got a lot of complaints about that story, from kids going, what happened next? <laughs> and I thought, it's obvious. He's going to get hit by a tranquilizer gun and he's going to wake up in the gorilla enclosure at the zoo. But I always take it just to the, the really bad moment. But I've always finished my stories properly ever since that story. So everything was true except for the bit where he couldn't get his suit off.
Uh, yeah, whose bum is it on the cover of the book? It's not mine. It's not Lisa Mackney's. Um, I can't tell you. I can't. It's a very close relative of mine. And she would kill me when I come home. So, no. <laughs> it used to be funny. Now it's not so funny. Um, it's not mine. I'm not so desperate for publicity that I would pull my pants down, take a picture of my bottom and put it on covers. It's not my mum's, no. <laughs> Mum, if you're listening, no, it's not you. Um, honestly. Um, uh, no, no one tried to get me to drink a milkshake full of slugs. I did hear on a radio competition one day they were trying to get people to do disgusting things and make them drink things like fish milkshakes. Isn't that a horrible idea? Fish milkshake? What's that? Spider ice cream. Tomato ice cream. Yeah. Um, you've seen tomato ice cream in Sydney. Yeah, they're really weird up there. They're, they're really ahead of the curve in, uh, in Epicure. Um, no, but I, I have had problems with people. Um, but no, no one made me drink a slug milkshake. I'll say anything to make the story funnier or more exciting at a certain point. And that would be cruel to slugs, and I, I wouldn't advocate cruelty to animals in any of my stories, except for the kittens, puppies and ponies that got mashed and pulverised in a giant mashing pulverising machine. That was an exception. They were so cute, they deserved it. Um, you're all pointing to someone. That's generally the person I don't pick, because um, the bummosaurs, there are 70... We actually culled it down from over 100 bummosaurs... Um, and that was fun because uh, that book appears as a fictional book in um, Bumageddon, the final Pongflict, um, and they've gone back in time to fight the, the bummosaurs of um, 60 million years ago. And they, every time, the joke is every time a bummosaur comes running at them, they look in the book to see what sort it is. And so the publisher suggests, why don't you write that actual book? So Terry and I... Um, went down to my parents' holiday house and spent a week together just drawing bummosaurs for five days. Um, and we just drew anything that came into our heads. I draw a stick figure and then Terry makes some, I was going to say beautiful, but stomach-turningly 3D. Um, and so, we, yeah, we culled it down and then I wrote all the scientific descriptions. So that was a relatively fast book, um, we're doing a new uh, guide next year called uh, What Body Part Is That? <laughs> so it's a guide to your bodies and we'll go through over 70 parts of your body that you may or may not have noticed and explain how they work and, um, and what they're for. Um, and next year there's also a, a book I'm really excited about called The 13-Story Treehouse. Uh, it's about a person called Andy, a person called... Da uh, Terry and uh, a person called Jill and uh, we all live in a 13-storey treehouse that has a bowling alley, a, um, a, sh a swimming pool, a see-through swimming pool, a shark tank um, and it's also got a marshmallow machine that follows you around and whenever you're hungry it shoots marshmallows into your mouth so you're never hungry and a vegetable vaporiser that vaporises any vegetables that, that come within 50 metres of the treehouse so... Um, I'm very excited about that one. That's coming out next year. 
along with the body part book. And, uh, yes. Um, well, it, you never know if it's going to be a series. Just Tricking could have been one book. But when people respond and, and tell you that they enjoyed them, you start thinking about a second one. So, yeah, we'll, um, we shall see. Schooling Around series, uh, there's been four books in that and I'm having a rest from that for a while. But I would love to write a story where they, they've built this sh- school in the shape of a ship and, um, and then a flood comes and the school floats away. Uh, I thought that would be really fun, so... So that'll be in the future. Uh, where haven't I taken a f- question from? In the green? Yeah. Just Macbeth happened because Bell Shakespeare Company, who put on lots of fabulous Shakespeare productions, wanted to get younger kids into the theatre and they asked me would I consider adapting a Shakespeare play. And, in fact, I've always loved Shakespeare and I particularly love Macbeth. It's the story of a soldier who meets some witches and the witches tell him he's going to become the king and he rides home to tell his wife and says, I met witches and they said I'll be the king one day. And she said, well, the only way that's going to happen is if you murder the, the current king. And Macbeth says, but I can't murder the king. He's a, that would be um, murder. <laughs> and she says, if you love me, you'll, you'll kill him. And so... Macbeth over, he, he really doesn't want to do it, but he listens to his wife and, um, well, no, let's not blame the wife. It is in, he really wants to be the king too. And he, he murders the king and then suffers horrible nightmares and guilt and his best friend finds out, so he has to kill his best friend and then he goes on a bit of a rampage. And I thought, what a great story to adapt as a family fun night out <laughs> at the theatre. How could you do that? And I love a challenge. And I thought, well, obviously, Andy um, could be Macbeth and uh, Lisa could be Lady Macbeth and Andy will do anything Lisa says. And they mix up a horrible potion. And um, so it just, it's just began writing as, as a just story and just became longer and longer and, and tracks the actual uh, plot of Macbeth. So I'm hoping uh, one day, it's coming back to Sydney this year, I'm hoping one day it'll be able to tour over here and, um, and you'll have the fun of seeing Andy kill Danny. And, um, yeah. So that's how that happened. Things sometimes a bit random. On the stairs at the top. What kind of books do I write? I wrote a really nice one about a pretty pink butterfly. <laughs> fluttering around in a sunny meadow with lots of other pretty pink butterflies and it was warm day and there was soft green grass and the, the lambs were fluttering, that kind of thing. Well, occasionally there's an explosion, yes. In that one, I think the entire universe explodes, but silly ones. Yes, in the blue? The evil gnome. No, the gnome, the gnome appeared because the director of the play said, I think it'd be really funny to have Macduff, Andy's biggest enemy, or Macbeth's biggest enemy, He should be a gnome because in one of the early Just books, Andy is terrified of a garden gnome. He plays a joke and it's kind of an urban myth. You might have heard of it or you might have done it. You you borrow someone's garden gnome from their garden and take it away on holidays with you um, to wherever exotic place you're going and you photograph the gnome having a nice time on the beach 
and then you develop the photograph and send it home to the people and you say, dear uh, owners, I'm having a lovely holiday, back home soon. And so it's from their gnome. And so Andy thinks that'll be funny to play. But my sister had a garden gnome and it's got an evil little smile and its head had been broken off and she glued it back on. So it had a gash in its neck and had this little smile. And one day I was in her garden with her and she said, see that gnome? And I said, yeah. She said, I'm scared of that gnome. (laughs) That's when she's an adult. She was scared of the gnome. And I said, that's brilliant. Can I have it? And she said, please, take it away. I, I can't stand it. So, um, so, yeah, I give that to Andy and Andy's got the gnome in his bedroom and he's, fr- he's frightened of it and he decides to get rid of it but every time he tries to get rid of it an accident happens and it almost kills him. So further confirming that uh, he's terrified of it uh, and it's trying to kill him. So, yeah, Just Macbeth refers to all the previous books and uh, we have gnomes and the mashing and pulverising machines. Uh, a couple more questions, I think, right up on the edge there. Uh, the first Just Book came out in 1997, so 12, 13 years ago. And I was, I was writing for about 10 years before that. And in fact, I noticed I'd brought um, a couple of my very, very early books. I just used to make them myself. And I've made little, tiny little books. Hang on. I think I've got one in my pocket. There it is. Uh, the Day My Bum Went Psycho, the short version, is a little book. And I used to make these books out of 12 pages. Uh, sorry, three pages. And um, cut them and paste and staple them. And you can tell stories like this. And I, that's how I began making a living from writing, was selling these books at markets um, in Melbourne. There was one called Just Tricking that was just practical jokes how to um, play tricks on people. Uh, I might finish with one, actually. I did promise I would, I would tell you some ways to annoy parents and, um, and I will teach you a way to annoy your teachers before we go. But, yeah, that's how I started. So those early ones were really important. So you don't need a publisher. You don't need anything fancy, just a, a pen, a piece of paper and a pair of scissors can get you started. Uh, one up there. What's my favourite Bumasaur? They're all totally disgusting. But probably um, the Diarrheosaurus <laughs> has the most unfortunate life cycle of any organism on the planet. It sits there in the, the hot desert sun of um, 60 million years ago and, and bakes hard and then the other Bumasaurs come along and think that it's a chocolate biscuit and they eat it giving themselves diarrhoea in the process and then they expel it again and it sits there as a puddle just being baked hard until the next bummersaw comes along and so round and round and round. I was, you know, do you have days like that where you feel like that? You're not, not achieving much? Um, so I enjoy It's completely over the top, that book. It's, it's very silly. Um, now, I don't think we're going to get through the rest of the questions in two minutes. Um, but I'll just take one from this side. Yep. Sorry, did I make Sooty smoke a cigarette? No, I was trying to make him give up. Uh, but I think you're referring to the story, uh, The Dog Ate It, where I th- I th- that was always at our school a bad excuse. Where's your homework? Oh, the dog ate it. <laughs> you wouldn't even bother giving the excuse because it sounds so made up. But I thought, what if 
the dog really did eat your homework and you had to go to school and say that. Well, you couldn't. So there's, you've got an excuse and it's true, but you can't use it. So you would have to get the dog to vomit up your homework. Notice all my stories seem to involve this um, at some point. Uh, so, yeah, they try to make Sooty sick. But they do it humanely by, um, by feeding him so much chocolate that he'll, he'll vomit it out again. And they put him in a swing, but he's not yelping because of the pain. He's yelping for joy. No cruelty to animals in the stories. Okay, now I should just give you a quick, um, a quick bit of fun to play on your teachers when you go back uh, to school. Is that tomorrow, isn't it? Oh, you've got a holiday tomorrow. Okay. You'll have to write this down so you remember it. Um, whenever they ask a question, what you should first do, make sure you're first up with your hand to go, oh, oh, oh. And when they ask you, go, forgot. <laughs> then when they ask you, you oh, oh. And then you go, do you like cheese? <laughs> or any other random question you can think of. But there's a, there's a more fun one. This is where you all get a dog suit. Okay? Have you all got dog suits at home? Yeah, go to the dog's kennel. There's always a spare one hanging up on a little coat hanger. And you, you take that to school and at a given moment someone gives the signal when the teacher's back is turned and they're writing. You all put your dog suits on. You zip them up, zip them down. And then you get down on your hands and knees and run around the room barking. <laughs> okay, barking, chasing each other, biting each other, lifting your leg on the furniture... And sticking your noses into each other's bottoms. <laughs> and teachers get really mad, right? Because they're not trained what to do when there's 25, 30 dogs running around the class. Although some teachers do get so mad that they actually get down on their hands and knees and run around and chase you. And try to stick their nose in your bottom. So you might want to be careful with that one. No questions. No, I'm not taking any more questions because I know what you're going to do. I think I've told you way too much already. Wait a minute. Oh, look, I'll, le- I'll leave you with one last joke. One joke from the, the new book that's, that isn't out yet but will be. Uh, knock, knock. Poo, poo. Poo, poo, wee, wee. I got that off my daughter. She used to tell it over and over again. I say, that's not really a knock, knock. But, and then there was a variation. Knock, knock. Poo-poo-wee-wee. Poo-poo-wee-wee, poo-poo-wee-wee. And the third, knock-knock. Jane. Jane poo-poo-wee-wee. So. That's all I'm telling you. Thank you all very much for coming. It's been such fun spending the afternoon with you. And I shall see you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast recorded at the 2010 Perth Writers' Festival. If you'd like to hear other sessions from the festival, go to abc.net.au slash perth slash writersfestival.